Hey there, welcome to the Path to Zion podcast. Hey, we're back to audio edition. How about that? Thank you so much for listening. Um, We've been doing the videos um, with regularity over the last, I don't know, week to 10 days, and I've not been doing as many audio-only editions, but hey, we're back with the uh, more traditional audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, if you have not seen them, who knows when this um, episode is going to make it online, but if you have not yet seen the Passover series, it's a five-part series, roughly 30 minutes each. It's Yeah, it's kind of lengthy. Um, it actually times out at three hours total um, because some episodes went a little bit long. But it's basically what I just called um, an, an invitation to the perpetual Passover. Look, I'm no feasts of the Lord person. I have not been doing this for years and years. I'm not a Jewish man, in case that needs clarified. Um, But again, what I've been saying, if you have not heard, because we pick up new listeners along the way, and so I want to make this clear as we continue to move along um, in this podcast that's been on the air now for over a year, Um, so it's still relatively new. I don't feel like the ancient way was something I pursued. I did not pursue the feasts of the Lord. I have not pursued a, a Jewish understanding, Hebraic understanding of, of living in my household, um, and, and honoring and keeping the Sabbath, um, until recently. And I didn't pursue these things, but what I instead say is these things have pursued me. I did not pursue this. This has pursued me. So that's how I summarize how we even got here. Um, But go listen to that series if you haven't yet. Obviously, it's a big commitment to listen to any one teaching that is so long. Um, I get it. But that's the reason I recorded it in pieces. Bite-sized chunks, listen to a 30-minute episode here, a 38-minute episode there, and try to get to it if you can. Even if you get to this recording here specifically and Passover 2020 has already gone, that's okay. We need to add these things. We need to at least consider what we in Christian, the age of Christianity that we live in, friends, we have missed a wealth of not just things. I don't even like saying the word things. We have missed volumes and volumes of understanding towards our identity. Not just things we do. This isn't about law keeping. This isn't about like being legalistically bound to something and if I step outside of a boundary, I'll get zapped. No, this is about identity. Identity. I talk about this all the time in different ways and different patterns and different, I don't know, ideas and, and just ways that this plays out in the scripture. But man, if you live within a land, if you live within a kingdom, you keep the laws of the land. You keep yourself within the statutes and ordinances of the kingdom that you live within. So, if in fact you are grafted in to the eternal people of God, Israel, by by coming into Jesus, Yeshua Messiah, 
through the blood of the slain lamb, your Passover, as Paul tells us, our Passover, are we not in fact Israel? And when Yahweh God spoke through Moses, spoke to Abraham, creating a people, forming and fashioning a people, an eternal seed, all the things that were told to these people are now inherently ours in the Messiah. So we cannot divorce ourselves from the things that God spoke to his people now, his chosen race, all the things that we talked about in the Passover teaching, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a set-apart, distinct, remnant people for God himself. If we're going to boast that that is in fact who we are, well, we better be careful we are actually keeping the laws, commands, ordinances of the kingdom that we say we reside in, of the nation we say we are a citizen of. These things are becoming to just fire off in my understanding like they never have before, and I'm so excited to share this with you and with anyone else who might give an ear to listen. So this morning in our whiteboard teaching time in our family, um, I was reading a journal of mine from 2007. It was in the winter of 2007. I've been journaling for the last 15 years or so, uh, mostly every day. So, wow, I've got, I've got some volumes. And what I was looking at and, and just really meditating on back in the winter of 2007 was the principle of the remnant reality, of the called out ones and the, the distinction therein. And how God continually shows his compassion. He continually shows himself slow to anger, abounding in love, full of grace and mercy. To who? To his people. To his chosen generation. To the, the royal priesthood reality. So, in light of that, I want to talk about that and, and kind of expand upon that understanding just a little bit this morning, which is not ironic that right here and now when I'm recording this, Passover is in two days. Um, I shared um, yesterday in our whiteboard teaching, these, these can always be found on our Facebook, our personal family Facebook. Um, track us down through pathdesign.com or, or Facebook Path Design Podcast. You can find us there, connect with us there, and then, then you can be um, able to see and read our daily whiteboard teachings that we do just at our kitchen table um, in the morning to start our day. Yesterday, we were talking about how the people, when they were coming into Jerusalem to celebrate, celebrate Passover, they did not just show up like, okay, Passover's, let's just be, let's just be like in our own modern day rhetoric so we can understand this principle, right? Let's just say in light of like a church service, okay? Because this is the mindset of Western Christianity, so let's speak to ourselves. Okay, so Passover starts at 11. So we will show up at 10 minutes till with our Bibles so that we can walk in, go to the bathroom, if you're in mega church, you know, hipster land, you get yourself a coffee and you take your seat where you sat last week. Okay, what? We're prepared. <laughs> We're prepared. We have 
quote, readied ourselves to worship the Lord. Well, listen, here's the thing, right? When, when we read in Scripture what that was, what that looked like, what that, oh boy, here comes a word that most people today don't like, what that required was it cost us something. It cost the remnant people of God something greatly to what? To prepare themselves. So we read how the people, now this is in Luke now, this is in Luke, how the people coming in, doing what they had always been doing since Passover was instated um, as an ordinance to keep forever back in Exodus. For who? God's people. For his chosen nation. Are you his chosen nation? I mean, we've got to ask that question. Is that who I am or am I, quote, in Jesus? I'm just in a different age now. I'm just in Jesus. Y'all, what in the world did Jesus come to buy back humanity for? To enable them to be in the nation, royal priesthood? Man, we've got to make these connections, right? So, excuse me, as these people were coming... They, we are told in Luke, I believe it's chapter 11, I'm driving. They were told something, they said, we, we are told something about what they were doing, specifically that they, the people coming they, from the country, is what it says, they came into the city early, before Passover. <laughs> they came in to the city of Jerusalem before Passover to purify themselves. To purify themselves. Now, you've, if you listen to this podcast with any regularity, you know that, that the Lord led my wife and I to um, be immersed, mikvud, baptized, um, back on Yom Teruah of 2019, last fall, mere months ago. And it changed our entire life. I, I was just telling a brother just the other day, reiterating again because I love to talk about it, that like, when I went into that water, and I think this made it into one of my podcasts as well, I literally felt like as I was swimming around trying to stay under the water, I could have looked to my left and seen Abraham. I felt joined with him for the first time in my life in the measure that I experienced that day in the immersion waters. Purification. Cleansing. Preparation. And friends, we've got to get our minds wrapped around the fact that we here today, so far removed from the original church and so far removed from the Exodus church, holy cow, we're just ignorant. We are ignorant. And if we're not careful, our ignorance will move into foolishness because we do not study to show ourselves approved and that we remain in our ignorance. We remain lawless ones. We remain wayward lost, double-minded men who are staggering about, vacillating, as we looked at weeks ago in the Scripture, back, forth, left, right, slow, fast, with no set course. Why? Lawless, wayward. We're not preparing. We're not doing the preparations. We, ourselves, are missing out on what? The going in early, the going in before to purify ourselves. So we talked about that just a couple days ago. Again, it's on our whiteboard teachings online. Email us, pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com if you want more information about how to connect with us in that way and get those teachings as well. But in my journaling this morning that I, that I was doing, and then I, I went back and found an old journal from 2007, as I've already alluded to, 
It led me to Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Micah 7, 18. And it says this, who is, who is a God like you? Who is an Elohim, an Elohim of Elohims like you? Who does what? Who pardons sin and overlooks the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession. Okay, so let's make this real isolated, right? We are now talking about, it's clear through Micah, he is saying, look, this is this little tidbit of the eternal word of God, this is in direct relation to the rebellious acts of the remnant of Yahweh's possession. Okay, this is specific unto a remnant people. He, God, does not retain his anger forever. Why? Because he delights in grace. Okay, so here's what I thought about this morning. The reality within this, and let's make it very clear from the very outset, this is in regards to the remnant people. This is not all-inclusive. You know, people today want to talk about the age of grace, age of grace, age of grace, age of grace. Oh, we better just walk out this age of grace. We're not under law. We're free to do what we want. Oh, don't abuse it. We quote Paul and all these things. Well, let's be very careful with how we throw that around because even then, Paul was talking to the people of God now. He was talking to the, the, the followers of the way, the church coming in, coming into Messiah through what? The law and the prophets. They weren't being born again from Galatians chapter 4. It was being written based upon the law and the prophets. That is how these people came to know the Messiah. It, the tutor that what? Leads us to Messiah. Okay? So again, we have to keep throwing these things in and to, to really check our understanding to see if it's even right. Obviously, most of the world, even the church and myself for so many years of my life, errantly see God the Father as this angry judge who can't wait to bring judgment to the disobedient people. And then a lot of people come into, into Jesus, and then they wield the sword of judgment upon all the others, the bad horrible world and how they deserve the judgment of God and, and we're now free. Why? Here we are again. Well, I'm in grace now, brother, but not you, vile heathen. Let's be careful and let's forever remember who we are and who we once were. We have been transferred by the power and the awesome, beautiful gift from God through the Son. But the issue to me is we, I said humanity in general, and the church, and even the remnant of his possession, to stick with this scripture specifically, we forget that we are, as Micah spoke of, full of rebellious acts, constantly standing up against God in arrogance, defiance, self-will. So what of God's vantage point, though? What about from his perspective? I mean, imagine if... You're the creator, and your creation by the trillions rebel against you, deny your even existence, fight you, oppose you, disobey you with incredible regularity. That is God's vantage point. Yet, he is what? For his remnant, 
for his possession, those who have been purchased by Messiah and are within him, for these, he holds back his anger. He delights. He takes pleasure in. He takes great joy in grace, kindness, loving kindness. He, he enjoys extending his love to who? His possession. His chosen ones. His people. So again, are you in his people? Have you been born again? Have you been born of the water? Have you been born of the Spirit? Again, that is the John 3 requirements of being in the kingdom of God. It's very clear. Otherwise, you're just looking from the outside. You're observing something that exists, but you have not yet entered it. Okay, so moving on. I'm trying to drive, of course. I would submit a question. Is this true specifically for the remnant people of God? Or is this just generic? We know God desires none to perish. But to me, this is like the soberness of why we must absolutely know. Am I in Am I in those promises of the scriptures where I'm told in the New Testament that quotes the old of the royal priesthood, the chosen nation, the inheritance, the the purchased possession of Yahweh God? Not just Jesus now, but everything Yeshua did was for what? To present you to the Father. We cannot just be nebulously in Jesus and stay there. The whole point, the whole purpose, the entire function, if you will, of the Emmanuel reality was to deliver you to the eternal Yahweh God. We do understand that, right? The entire purpose, let me say that again, the entire purpose and function of the Emmanuel reality was to make you purchased The price was paid by Yeshua Messiah to purchase you and therefore make you God's possession. To present you to the Father as the Son, spotless, blameless, acceptable, right? And here's the thing, and I'm going to say this and then we'll be done with this episode here. I was just reading a little bit about the requirements of what was going on when... The people were coming into Jerusalem for Passover. That scripture in John 11, I believe it is, that was, that was clearly stating the people were coming from the countryside into the city before Passover to purify themselves. To purify themselves. They knew there was something that had to be done in order to rightly approach God. Now we could say, well, I'm in Jesus now, Joel. Here's the man, here's the argument of the ages that the Grace Church wants to just flippantly throw around and throw in your face when you say you have to do something. I don't understand why the modern day church is so terrified at the thought that anything is dependent upon them. I think we want to just pull up the the grace lounger and sit by the pool. I think we want to just bring out the, the, 
grace and in favor of God, lazy boy, and turn on our television. And you know what? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Jesus. There's nothing for me to do except sit here in my chair and say, God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right? We had better be careful and examine our own lives. All of us, myself included, that in no, nowhere in us are we merely just sitting back in the recliner of grace and doing absolutely nothing on the other side of being purchased as the inheritance and possession of Yahweh God, the Eternal Father. It is my reciprocation. It is my response because of the mercy, because of the slow to anger, because of the immeasurable loving kindness of the Father, I want to what? I want to do works. Faith. Oh man, I mean, do we really need to go here? It is faith. Yes, yes. We're not talking about earning anything. We're talking about an obedient response to what has already been done to purchase me and make me the possession of Creator God. I long to do something to please my Father and bring Him glory because I am now no longer my own. I'm now as Yeshua Messiah. And let me ask you the question. If that is in fact true, and now we, we, we are to walk as He walked, do what He did, and even greater, did Yeshua merely come and just grow up and wait sitting around in the mercy and grace of God because He was fully God? as well as fully man, or did he do something? Did he raise the dead? Did he heal the blind? Did he get the lepers up off of their mat to walk? Did he teach? Did he preach? Did he correct? Did he admonish? Did he love? Did he give? Well, of course. Well, he was Jesus. Well, then, friends, why do we think that now in Jesus we're not supposed to do anything? That is the rhetoric of the modern-day church in many ways. In many ways. Our greatest task today in 2020 for the modern-day grace-fueled church is, you know what? Just be thankful. And here's the air quotes. Just love people. They'll know us by our love. Oh, man, don't even get me started. Go back to the Freedom and Liberty series, July 2019. You are to be a slave to God and a slave to your brother. That is love. Lay down your life. There's no greater thing, right? Yes. But what does love look like? For Yeshua Messiah, it looked like a man, the suffering servant, denying his will, preaching, teaching, serving, loving. All these things we could list all morning long that culminated in what? A demonstration of love. A demonstration now, a living testimony. We will overcome the adversary in the last days according to the word of our testimony. And the blood of the slain lamb, synonymous things, they are the same because they are intricately woven together. So lastly, as I was looking into um, like just a little bit of well, what were they doing? those who came into Jerusalem preceding Passover. They deliberately came on purpose to what? To purify themselves. Now this is post-Messiah now. You do understand this. They came in. He's on, he's, he's on the donkey. 
He's, he's the physical man. He's on the earth. He's about to become the slain lamb reality, the culmination of that part of the ages. They were coming in to do what they had always done, and they encountered the capital S slain, capital L lamb. But they were coming in to do what they had always done. And Passover again is perpetual and remains for us, those who say we are in the people of God, we are his inheritance, we are his possession, and if that is in fact true, should we not be walking in purification? Purifying ourselves. Well, Jesus did that, brother. We had better be careful we know what we're saying and why. Because listen, what about sanctification? What about cleansing? What about the the metamorphosis of, of new creation reality and walking that out more and more, becoming into the image of the Son? Well, what about all these things? Well, that's just different. Is it different? Is it different according to the Word of God? Or are we just trying to inherently do something without any effort of our own? without any movement. Now here's the thing I want to draw out and then I really will bring this to a close. As I was doing that just very brief reading, I can't say I was studying, I was just reading. What's the difference, right? In this case, I was just reading some of the things that they would do to come into the city to purify themselves before Passover. And here's one thing, man, I'm just going to grab one tiny little thing because there's not time for all this stuff. I'll talk to myself about it later. <laughs> Just the principle, man, this stuff, and I told Kristen, this right here could be an hour. The principle within the, the coming in to the temple and the driving out. Because the, when you think about scriptures now, even the few that I know well, there were constantly people being driven out of the temple. Just real quick, topically speaking, well, who, for example? The money changers. The ones trying to profit from the selling of even sacrificial animals, y'all. This is the depravity of man. Oh, boy. These people by the thousands are, are needing lambs. They're needing different things, different tokens. They're needing items, to perform these sacrifices, to perform these acts that are for the people of God to be found pleasing. So, of course, man just came in, as we know, Yeshua came hard against. They were money-hungry sellers of items that people needed in that day. And these people were constantly being driven out and away from the temple. Why? They were trying to have personal gain from spiritual principles, commands, ordinances for personal gain. Don't even get me started on that in the religious church of this hour. People were never driven into the temple. Again, just get the imagery now and then we'll bring this to a close. People were never driven into the temple. Nobody was guilted or made to have to go to the temple according to the right ways of God. Now the Oral law teachers of the age, of course, they were trying to manipulate the people to keep their external laws, their addition, if you will. Of course that was true, and they were part of the problem as well. Yeshua made that crystal clear when he came and taught against them. But not the whole law. 
not the law as a whole in its entirety, the law of Moses that they sat upon and taught correctly. It's all the stuff when they climbed out of the chair of Moses and started speaking what? Their own opinions to what? To lord over the people. That was the problem Yeshua encountered. So these people, the money-hungry um, sellers, buyers and sellers, all this defilement, these people were always being driven away, driven out of the temple. Those who came in, though, the ones who came in to rightly serve the Lord and keep the Passover and rightly be purified to be received into His presence, these were the ones who were what? Following the ordinances of God. They were the ones doing the requirements. That's what allowed you in. Man, even all the understanding of leprosy, you're deemed unclean. You can't come in. Women on their cycle, that's why Mary could find no room, no house. She wasn't knocking on the door of the Holiday Inn trying to find a room. And they said, get out of here, you nasty woman. There's no room for you and this baby Jesus. You know, that's just some fable that we've been handed in American Christianity. That there was just no room for the lowly little Mary. Poor Mary. Poor Jesus. Nobody wants baby Jesus. Man, that's just foolishness. That's foolishness, friends. She had to be put out because she was, she was unclean. She was about to give birth which deemed you unclean. Blood would be shed. You could not be in the house. Even with your own family, you had to go out. Y'all, do we know these things? Let's study. Let's study. There were things that had to be done ceremonially to be clean, to be purified, to be rightly received and accepted into what? Into the temple. Friends, do we really need to spell this out so clearly that your five-year-old children can understand it for us as grown men and women to grasp? We think, hey, I'm just in Jesus. Well, yes, you are, but listen. If, in fact, you've been all those things we always talk about. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now indwelled by the eternal Creator. So you think, well, I'm just clean now. Jesus paid it all. I'm clean. No, 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 no. You must remain purified. You must remain sanctified in incremental measure. You must be holy, set apart, distinct, marked. Friends, how do you do that? Man, I'll just tell you one little thing right now to drop in your mind in case you have not listened to any of my Passover teachings. I am becoming more convinced as every passing hour comes and goes, keeping the feasts. Keeping the Sabbath is the mark. The Old Testament O-W-T-H, the oath, O-W-T-H. Look into that. The oath, the mark, the seal, the distinction. Hey, these are my people. These ones who are not marked, no, they're not my people. And listen, these promises that we hear and that we read in the ancient scriptures, it's for the oath people. It's for the marked ones. It's for his possession, his nation, his, his royal priesthood. It is for these. It is not for the wide way, friends. It is not for the wide way. I'm going to say this and I'm done. Yeshua Messiah said what? He will say at the end of the age, depart from me, I never knew you. You did all these things now. You cast out demons. You raised the dead. 
You had awesome worship services. You wore t-shirts with John 3.16 on them. You voted for the Republican Party because they're pro-life. You voted for a president that you said, well, he's kind of Christian-y, right? Don't even get me started. Hey, listen, friends, that is not enough. If you're banking on that, he might say, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you. I never purchased you for the inheritance of my father. You're not a royal priesthood. You're not what? You're not marked. You're not marked. You're not distinct. I told you the command clearly one million times in the eternal written word come out from among them. Be separate. You didn't do that. You didn't listen. Did you not read about Lot's wife who said, you know what? Everything I love is back there in that city. I have got to look back, longingly delay to look back upon what I'm leaving. I can't help myself. And friends, judgment is for these. Judgment is for these. We, it's time for us to be sober. It's time for us to say things hard as they are. There's no more time for ear-tickling messages on this earth. I think God is going to shut the mouths of the ear-ticklers in the age that is right here, right now. I believe that. And anything that comes out of my mouth that is that alone, may the Lord shut my own mouth. It's time for us to realize what it means to be a royal priesthood, a set-apart marked people for His possession. So friends, today, make sure you are walking in the promises of God. Now, I said this in the Passover series, and this I want this to be branded on my forehead. We, in Christian America love God's covenantal promises. We, in Western culture, love to say all the promises, the covenants of God. We love the covenants of God, but we hate His commands. We love God's covenantal promises, and we hate His commands. Let's be honest, this has got to change for the corporate church. This has got to change for Christian America. It has to. If there's going to be any remnant that comes out of this nation, it's going to be the ones who get that reality and start making some changes in their life to what? Purify themselves to rightly approach the Lord. So friends, how about you? How about you today? In the midst of this season of turmoil, this age of just chaos and weirdness, man, let's be those people. Purify yourselves. And rightly come before the Lord, according to His feasts, according to His patterns and ways and ordinances. Why? So that we can have this truth in Micah be true for us. We will see His grace if, in fact, we are His remnant possession. Be His remnant possession today, um, friends. Lord, help us to be your remnant possession on the earth in 2020. Amen.